Get ready to jumpstart your scientific career with practical advice on being a successful and contented scientist. Each episode of the Happy Scientist podcast delivers hands-on, actionable steps you can take to ensure you stay happy, focused, and satisfied in the lab. Available on all popular podcast platforms, hit the subscribe button and start your journey towards a more fulfilling scientific career. the Happy Scientist Podcast. Each episode is designed to make you more focused, more productive, and more satisfied in the lab. You can find us online at bitesizebio.com slash happy scientist. Your hosts are Kenneth Vogt, founder of the executive coaching firm Vera Claritas, and Dr. Nick Oswald, PhD, bioscientist, and founder of Bite Size Bio. Hello and welcome to the Happy Scientist podcast from Bite Size Bio. If you want to become a happier, healthier and more productive scientist, you're in the right place. I'm Nick Oswald, the founder of BitesizeBio.com, where we provide bioscience researchers with help for improving their technical skills, their soft skills and their well-being. And in this podcast, we will be focusing on the latter of these three areas. With me, the driving force of this podcast, it's Kenneth Vogt. I have worked with Ken now for over seven years with him as my business mentor and colleague and I knew that his expertise could help a lot of researchers and so we decided to start this podcast. In these sessions, we will hear mostly from Ken on principles that will help shape you for a happier and more successful career and along the way, I'll pitch in with points from my personal experience as a scientist and from working with Ken. So, over to the man himself. Kenneth, how are things with you today? Doing great. So today we're, we're going to dig in to the final three-part series, the third three-part series. This one is called How to Discover and Wield Your Charisma Factors. Now you may be looking at this and saying, you know, I was kind of on board with the idea of human needs and mindsets, yes, I could see how that'd be useful, but charisma in science, in the lab, really? Now, isn't charisma just for you know, politicians and, and, and movie stars and, and rock stars, you know, what, what does charisma have to do with me? Well, we're going to, we're going to talk about that. We're going to make the case for it for you. And then we're going to show you how to implement and how it's going to really help you in your work, in your career, in the lab itself, but in, in the broader business of what you do too. So let's start off by a definition. You know, what is charisma? Because it may seem like an almost indefinable term. It's some magical thing that some people seem to have and other people seem to not have. And it doesn't seem possible to learn it. Well, first, let's start with the dictionary. The dictionary defines charisma as compelling attractiveness or charm that can inspire devotion in others. Wow. Now, that sounds like something that would be really important if you were running for office or if you were trying to make it, you know, big on the music scene or in some other endeavors. But why here? Do I need to be attractive? Do I need to be charming? Do I need to be inspiring? Do I need devotion from other people? It's like, well, okay, you don't need any of that. That's true. You don't need any of it. However, if you have any of it, if you have more than one piece of that, if you have all of that, it can do amazing things for you. It 
it'll help you to accomplish your objectives. You know, you have a mission in your career. And it might be you, you know, you have a mission right now. You know, you've got a task in front of you that you're working on in the lab, and it's truly important. Well, there's nothing that can be done in science today that can be done alone. You are not an island. You cannot be an island. There might have been a time 200 years ago when somebody could just be a scientist off by themselves. But anymore, the interconnectedness of what's necessary is gigantic. I mean, just start with something as simple as your education. If you had had to start from scratch and invent chemistry and invent biology, and you know, how could you have ever got to where you are today? And you're standing on the shoulders of giants because without that, none of this would be possible. The advancement of science has happened because people work together. And if you want people to work with you and help you, and you need them to do so, you're gonna need some charisma. Because charisma is gonna give them the incentive to join in and help you. Now you may think that, well, there are other incentives out there. You know, it could be something as simple as, you know, they too are getting a paycheck. But that doesn't mean they will help you on what you're doing. It means they'll just, they'll do their job next to you. But to help you, you're gonna need something about you that can compel other people to join you in this. So just like we talked about human needs, just like we talked about mindsets, I've got a, a set of six charisma factors in mind. They'll cover 95% of the cases. Again, this is a, it's a framework. It's, it's, not, it's not reality, but it's a method that works. And as Kenneth, you before, know the, before we yeah. carry on and uh, going into these factors, I think, uh, you know, in, in respect to uh, defining whether, uh, whether charisma is a thing that's worth uh, in, you know, inquiring in yourself, within yourself about whether it's a thing that you should have, mm -hmm. look at the other, if you look at it the other way around, if you have a boss that you have been devoted to, for example, then how much better was your work compared with a, um, to a boss that you were not devoted to, that, that, you, that you kind of resented working for? It's like night and day in terms of output and in terms of enjoyment for the boss and the and the employee or the you know the, the group member, and as you said, the dictionary definition there is compelling attractiveness or, or attractiveness or charm that can inspire devotion in others, and so it's quite easy to take that as a kind of you know really a huge thing. But actually, if you look at what devotion means, it just means well, it means the definition is a feeling of strong love or loyalty. And so it's just, charisma is something that just inspires loyalty in other people. That's one way to look at it. And of course you would want that because you want people, you know, as you go up the ladder, you want people to be, to be want to work with you because, because they feel something other than just a transactional um, willingness to work with you. You know, there's that, that something above that because you will have experienced it yourself that, that that is a much, you know, if, you, if you're if you loyal to someone, you feel that loyalty, then it will be a much better, um, it will give much better results. Right. I, I think you bring up a really good point too, that even if you as an individual don't feel like you are particularly charismatic, you've likely been moved by somebody yourself. You've felt their charisma. And sometimes they're 
they're not the people you might think. You know, there might be that that amazing professor that that has been a, a you know a change agent in the world, and you've really looked up to them, and you know you found them charismatic. But you know what? Grandma might be charismatic. Why are you so devoted to Grandma? It's because of charisma. And you think it's it's not just because she makes good cookies. You know, there's something about her that makes you want to do for her, that makes you want to please her, that makes you want to you know, to do what she asks. And the same thing is true for you. You can do the you can do the same thing. You can be a grandma. Yeah, <laughs> I think I think what you're about to touch on as well in this in this uh, episode is that there is a commonly held definition of charisma. And that is not the, the full scope of what charisma is and or the right. possible ways to yeah, be charismatic. Exactly. Uh, the, um, and, and that's it. Right charismatic now, you being, yeah. yeah, you may have a notion in mind for what charisma is. But the, here's the problem. Charisma is just a raw power. It has to be... You have to apply ethics to it. Because here's the thing. There are charismatic people out there that are downright evil. And what do they use charisma for? They use it for manipulation. Yeah, and, and that's what I... I mean, my own... Before we talked about this initially, my own uh, understanding of charisma was that it was something, you know, to use the um, to use the core mindsets we talked about previously, it's, it's a very orange thing, perhaps, mm-hmm. or maybe even red, and it's someone who is charming to get something out of you. And, um, and I think that's a commonly held... Uh, perception of what charisma is that it's it's a bit edgy it's a bit kind of double-edged sword and it's and it's a, it's about manipulative manipulative charm but again i think mm-hmm. what we'll be looking at here is that it's not that and there's there's it's possible to be yourself and be charismatic more than possible and and get the results uh, right. that charisma brings so to, to be fair it, you can't say it's not that it can be that. It, it, it's just, it doesn't have to be that. It doesn't, it's not automatically evil. Let's put it that way. <laughs> <laughs> Generally speaking, what it's automatically is neutral. And that is, it's somebody who's persuasive. You know, that could be good or bad. But being persuasive is certainly useful. Um, so even if you were only neutral about it, having some charisma that would allow you to persuade people to your way of thinking or to support the things that you're doing or to or to you know grease the wheels for for what you're doing that's that's not that's that's a useful thing but you can take it at an even higher level and if you apply some really positive ethics to it and really make it good well now you're being an inspiration and that uh, that's a, a word that came from that original definition that i covered earlier but to be inspiring to other people, you know, that that is that is a really high aspiration, and it's it's really something powerful. So at first blush, you may look at it and say, "Well, that's that's kind of out of my pay grade. I don't I don't know if I can I can be inspiring." But don't cut don't cut yourself off from possibility. There, you you may be surprised how inspiring you can be. And part of the problem that you're probably having is your notion of what charisma is only fits into certain categories. And you may feel like those categories aren't a good fit for you. And that might well be true. But there are other categories that that you may not 
normally think of as being about charisma. And those are the things that, that we'll cover in the rest of this series. For, for the, our session today, though, I just want to talk to you about charisma and talk to you about how it can be surprising that it's useful to you. And we're going to use an example here, and we're going to put Nick on the spot. <laughs> yep. Because <Got> <laughs> Nick, Nick is a, you know, he's a PhD scientist like, you know, he's been in the lab, been at the bench, did the whole thing. But he has an alter ego. He has something he does as an avocation. And it ties in very neatly to this little conversation about charisma. And that is, Nick is the lead singer in a Bon Jovi tribute band. And, uh, and if you're going to believe the press for the band called Just Jovi, they are the premier Bon Jovi tribute band in Scotland. <laughs> and I've heard them. They're good. And you can imagine, it's not just that Nick plays a rock star at night. He plays one of the great rock stars at night, John Bon Jovi. So, Nick, in reference to charisma, how is it that a selfie-facing nerdy scientist can get up on stage and play the rock star? <laughs> yeah, that's a good question. Um, <laughs> I don't really know. No, I do. <laughs> um, well, I certainly not. I mean, I, I've always been interested in music, so it's something I've always wanted to do, but I, I always kind of stayed, you know, I, I was always the lead singer in bands, but it was kind of on my terms and so on. This thing came up a few years ago, and I thought, when I first saw it, I thought, who'd be crazy enough to do that? That's a really hard idea, a hard gig. It's hard to play someone like that on stage. And in effect, it's like playing in a play, being in a play, not playing in a band. And because I'm I'm acting. and But I had no previous experience of that. But I just felt like I should go for it because... Um, because it looked like an, a growth opportunity. It looked like something really difficult, but actually something that I th felt that I could pull off. And um, yeah, if you look back to me as a you know kid or even a young adult and stuff, there's no way I'm not what you would call a classically charismatic. I'm not. I don't have that twinkle in my eye type thing. I'm not that that sort of person. But what I do have is an. Well, how would I put this? I think this is what you'll be touching on later, Ken, but the, if you, the way to be charismatic is to be yourself or is to tap into what you're really passionate about. And what I'm really passionate about is, is, is delivering for people, is making something the way, you know, making something that, that, uh, that will really inspire people or people will really enjoy. And so the, so the, tr the way that it works for me, the way that I'm, pardon the dogs, the way that I'm able to do that and uh, to pull that off is that I'm not being myself. I'm being someone else. I'm being a part, playing a part that um, that these people are really loyal fans of. The people who come to watch us, and if I I can pour myself into that and be that person, then then it works for them, and so that works for me. So Nick, you you uncovered a few things here, and I want to put some labels on them, so people can see what it is that you brought to the table that allowed you to do this. Because at first blush, yeah, you're, you're using a, a an artifice, as it were, and saying that, oh, I'm just play acting at this. And that was that was how you, that's how you gave yourself permission to act charismatically. And anybody can do that. You, in any situation, you can look at this and say, okay, I'm gonna channel 
somebody else that I know that's really, really persuasive and really inspiring. And you can do that. But here are the factors you have to bring to do that. There are three things. Presence, power, and warmth. So, when we talk about the idea of being present, what does that mean? It means you get right here, right now. That, that it seems like presence would be such a complicated thing, but it's just not. We, we, we're always off in our own little worlds and we're always daydreaming about this, that, the other thing, and we're always thinking about what comes next. We're always, always having anxiety about what, you, what happened before. If you can just be right here, right now, this is the moment I've got. This is the only moment I can control. The past already happened. There's nothing to be done about that. The future hasn't happened yet, so there's nothing I can do about that yet. But now is the moment I've got when I can do something. And so if you're here and now, people notice that. And they're looking for that. We all, we all would like to see some stability out there. And, and when you see somebody who's, who's firmly grounded, we're, we're drawn to that. And that's, that's part of the thing about charisma. Charisma isn't about controlling other people. It's about drawing them. It's about bringing them in to this space that looks like it's a good space to be. It, you know, maybe it's good in that it's safe. Maybe it's good in that it feels that it feels like something's going to happen here. So that that's the that's the first thing you have to do is you got to get yourself present. Now, part of that, part of what gets in your way there sometimes is that you're not physically comfortable. And it can, be, it can be the silliest things. You know, are your clothes comfortable? Are your shoes comfortable? Is your chair comfortable? You know, the equipment you're using, is it, is it broke down and not adequate to your needs? Have you not gathered together the things that you need to do what you need to do right now? You know, get your physical space in order. Get anything that's impacting you, your, your physical self, in order so that you don't have this distracting additional stress out there. So you're talking you're, here about how people can be more present in themselves by just removing anything that's taking their focus away? Is that the... Exactly. And and sometimes we look at this and say, hey, you know, I just don't care. I'm not you know, I'm not a slave to fashion. I'm I'm just not gonna I'm just not gonna waste any time on that. It's not important to me. Is that true? Or are you telling yourself a story that it's not important to you? Would you in fact feel more comfortable if you were wearing clothes that fit better or a little more stylish or uh, a little more comfortable? Is it maybe worth spending an extra $20 on that pair of shoes to get shoes that actually feel good on your feet? Is it actually worth spending another $50 on that jacket because it it just looks better on you you know I, I i'm not talking about moving toward vanity but i am talking about we got to stop we got to stop doing things to ourselves that make we were we're making ourselves uncomfortable because when you're uncomfortable you're going to radiate that to other people but when you're comfortable you'll also radiate that to other people and people like to be comfortable and so you will you will have a certain magnetic quality to you when you're more comfortable in your own skin. Now, obviously, you can only go so far with this. 
Now, I've seen videos of Nick's band, and yes, he does dress like he's there for a rock show, but he doesn't dress like he's in a, in a you know, in a, in a hair band, you know? <laughs> he's not pushing it so far that it's unnatural for him. But I have seen him up there in a Superman t-shirt, and I think that's great. <laughs> I, I, it's, it's worth, actually, in that note, it's probably worth noting that what, what I've done over, because I've been doing this for three years or so now, and what I've used it as is an exercise to get more comfortable, you know, keep pushing the boundary of what's comfortable, and so um, so that I can stay focused. I'm not feeling you know so uncomfortable that I can't that, that I can't focus on the show, and uh, so where I was three years ago, let's say the first show we did, I I'm I am prepared to go much further now, um, and still feel comfortable and still feel focused. Than I was in the beginning. It's just that exercise of, of lifting that further and further. But also, I would say I'm far from feeling 100% comfortable on stage. I just kind of probably am better at. I'm just less uncomfortable, if you like. Right. Well, that that, that really makes a good point there. That you know you don't have to be perfect at this. You don't have to be world class at it. You just you just got to be a little better than you've been. <laughs> just take it up a notch. And go to the next level. And you'll find that after you go to the next level, well, then that'll feel normal and comfortable. And you'll be willing to go to the next level. And you'll be willing to go to the next level. You'll, it'll keep progressing for you. And and there there was a point, and you know, I've been, I've known Nick through this whole process with this particular band. And I know what he was like when he first said, I'm thinking of joining a band. Am I crazy? You know? <laughs> You know, and and to okay, we're doing it, man. We suck, you know. You know, and then it was like, we got a show. I'm terrified, and you know, and it just kept going along. And now, none of those things, those things of the past, seem ridiculous. They seem silly, but it was because he bothered to keep working on the charisma of his presence there in a band. And and the same thing can be applied in anything you're doing. I, I promise you. That, that what you need to do in the lab is small compared to what you need to do to get on stage and rock the house. <laughs> so it, it's it's definitely with within your grasp. It's something you can do. Like what you're hearing? Ready to supercharge your scientific career? Discover practical advice on what it takes to be a successful scientist without sacrificing happiness. Learn the importance of meeting your human needs identifying and unlocking your charisma factors, discovering your core mindsets, and much more. Subscribe to the Happy Scientist podcast and download the Happy Scientist reference pack and get started on your journey to becoming a happier scientist today. Subscribe now and check the show notes to download. So another thing about presence is we're constantly being distracted by stuff. And devices especially our phones and our tablets that are always ringing and going off and buzzing and 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 vibrating and all these things going on well if you're in a situation where you need others to come along with you you need their help and assistance and you need to inspire them turn the devices off turn the services off do whatever you got to do yeah at, at the beginning of of this particular podcast, when Nick and I were talking before we started, he said, oh, give me a minute. I need to tell someone I'm turning off Skype. That's exactly what he should do right now. 
He's here to make an impression on you. And, and he doesn't want to be distracted. So, you know, that's, that's the kind of thing you've got to be aware of. And the excuse that we often use on this stuff is like, well, I can't be unavailable. Like, oh, yes, you can. You can be unavailable for this five-minute conversation, this half-hour presentation, this two-hour meeting. You can. The world is not going to end because you, so important to you, were unavailable for two hours. <laughs> it, it's You can do this. Yeah, I think, again, I think it's a good point as well to make that um, it's not just about being there's more ways to be unavailable than just uh, than you know than just being buried in your device because I know that during my PhD for example the currency and I think I've mentioned this before but the, the 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 kind of the way you showed in the place that I worked for my PhD what uh, that you cared and that you were you were really diligent and you you were committed was that you worried all the time right or at least that's mm-hmm. how I interpret it interpret it so that I was going um, home on a Friday afternoon, uh, Friday evening, and um, and I would still be worrying about, you know, whether this experiment was going to work, are things going well, am I good enough, all that stuff. And then one Friday, I, I actually went to a yoga class with my, um, my now my wife, and she was, you know, she wanted to take me along, so I went along, and the woman said, okay, now relax and just forget everything. And, and my brain said, well, hang on, you can't forget everything. You've got all this stuff to worry about. And then I just realized what I was doing. And and for that moment, I had this little moment of insight of, hang on, I can just, I can just let that go. You know, it's not my job to hold on to this all of the time. And But, but by holding on to all of the time, I was less available. And I'm not saying I've cracked it. I still do that to an extent now. But, I, you know, it's one of those things. You just keep working at it to get um, more, to become more and more available. Right. Sure. And we, the problem is we built up all these stories that, you know, it's, we, we tell ourselves the story that it's, that worrying evidence is how much I care. Well, deconstruct that. It's like, is that actually the truth? Or is that just something that I've found convenient to believe? Yeah. Or is worrying what's keeping me, you know, motivated, it's keeping me from moving and stopping the wheels from falling off is another one, I think. Right. Yeah, and considering considering the world without worry, if I didn't worry, what would the world look like? What would happen then? You've oftentimes it's because you've never considered that. So I you, oh I can't consider that. Oh no, it doesn't hurt to consider it. Maybe you think you can't do it, but first let's consider it. And you may find in your consideration that things are not the way you were presuming they were. So so we've talked about a number of different ways that your presence can be impacted. Now let's talk about power. Power, <laughs> again, you gotta you gotta put apply some ethics to this thing. Uh, you know, power can be used very manipulatively, but it also can be very inspirational. So think about some simple, powerful things that you could do that would be inspiring to other people. Well, I'll give you a simple example. Look somebody in the eye when you're talking to them. Now, I don't mean give them a death stare, but we all know the difference of, am I looking them in the eye or am I avoiding eye contact? And we know it's uncomfortable for us when somebody is avoiding eye contact with us and they feel weak to us. 
they feel very when somebody is avoiding eye contact with us we, we we feel their weakness and we might even be empathetic about it but it's but it's not inspiring at all whereas somebody that will look you in the eye not in an aggressive way but in it but in an uh in a, a way where they where you feel attached to them you feel connected all right that is very powerful now all of a sudden they're giving you their full attention now they're going to hear everything you say now they're going to pay attention to the things you ask them to pay attention to so you know bring that part of the power to it and the flip side go ahead nick i was going to say to go go back to the the band the how how does that work in in my band scenario is again all i've done here is i put, i've put in some very simple things to appear powerful <laughs> and mm. um and that that is enough and you know it's very simple things like paying attention to the way that i stand on the stage and the way that if anyone makes eye contact with me, I will make eye contact with them. Not that I'm 100% confident about that, but that's what I chose to do. If anyone takes a photograph, I always look at the camera. If anyone's videoing, I will sing right to the camera. And it makes people feel like you're connecting with them, even though inside it doesn't feel, it doesn't make people feel like you're connecting them. It gives people something to connect to, even though inside you don't 100% feel that, if you know what I mean. But I just sure. made the conscious choice to, to put these kind of pillars in place that would make me look increasingly powerful and present um, regardless of how I felt. Right. And it points out, too, that you can do this with a crowd. You know, one-on-one, obviously, it seems obvious to look somebody in the eye, but what happens when it's a crowd of people? What if it's a meeting room full of people? Well, make eye contact individually with people. And no, you don't have to make eye contact with every single person in the room, but you're going to notice the moments. There, There are some people that you've definitely captured their attention. Give them that gift, look them in the eye. There are some other people in the room, you need their, their buy-in, give them attention. Make sure you look those folks in the eye. There are gonna be people, be people in the room who are skeptical to you. And again, this is a power thing, look them in the eye and, and let them know that I am willing to stand for my position that you are skeptical about. So give me a chance to make my case. You know, it's not a matter of challenging them, so much is showing them that look, I am not afraid to address any any detractors or any you know, or I'm not afraid to address any questions that people may have about this. Yeah, and if you look at if you read about, I mean, it's often good to go cross disciplinary when you're trying to figure out how to do your job better. And mm-hmm. if you uh, look at what um, professional singers say about how they work a room, if you read some, then they'll talk about. Um, focusing on one area of the room to, to to focusing their energy on one area of the room to draw them in and then focusing on the other area uh, you know the next area and so then you can keep kind of like a uh, you know it's quite seems a, sounds a, whims, a bit whimsical but they're drawing people towards them all the time by just putting focus on different areas or different individuals to just try and influence obviously it depends on the crowd um to try and you know draw everyone in or draw or give everyone a chance to be drawn in but it's the same when you're giving a presentation it's mm-hmm. or you know a lab meeting or a or um or a bigger bigger auditorium presentation the more you can gen you know you see people who, who kind of mechanically look around the room but the more you genuinely try to connect with the people that are in the audience the better that feels for them and the more likely they will have a a, a good perception of what you've just done regardless of what you said exactly 
And that, that we've all seen people do that. They just kind of like, they like robotically just kind of scan the audience, whether that's in an auditorium or in a, in a small meeting. And what, where it's, what's really noticeable about that is that they're not making connection to anybody. They're avoiding focusing on anybody. That's, the, that's what the scanning thing is all about. So don't do that. <laughs> and a lot of the stuff that we that we're going to talk about in this podcast, my answer to many problems that people are, what do I do different? Well, it's easy. Don't do that. <laughs> Stop doing that thing that doesn't work. And scanning the audience is one of those things. So now this is a, if you're going to truly be charismatic, it's going to have to be a two-way street. So in addition to looking people in the eye so that they so that they'll pay attention to you. You have to pay attention to other people. You have to actually listen to other people. And you've got to give evidence that you're listening. And often that evidence is something as simple as nodding, that you're acknowledging, ah, I hear that you're saying something. It's not about agreement with what they're saying, because you may entirely disagree with what they're saying. But what's really important is that you're hearing it and from the other person's standpoint, especially if they know they're saying something that is opposite of what you've said, acknowledging that I have heard you lodge your, your disagreement or maybe even your disapproval is really powerful. And, and yet again, it adds to your power position. So you might think that if I'm going to be powerful, I've got to, I've got to you know, pretend away all of the naysayers. Like, no, exactly the opposite. You have to embrace them. You have to draw them in. That, that yes, I am well aware of the weaknesses or the, uh, you know, the points against what I'm making. Well, now that's, that's a much stronger position. If you can't acknowledge the weaknesses or the, the, the detractors from whatever it is that, that, you are promoting, you're not going to get very far. So this is this is the more powerful stance to take. Uh, and I think about the Godfather movie. You know, keep your friends close and your enemies closer. <laughs> <laughs> and that's that's all it is. It's you know, and I say enemies. I'm using that word in, in air quotes. You know, the people that are not on the same side with you yet. Um, you got to keep them close. You need to hear from people that are recognizing where the chinks in your armor are. Because that's how you will strengthen yourself. Now, another thing that evidences that you're listening to people is to ask them questions, clarifying questions. And you'll, so, so you just said that thus and so. Does that mean X, Y, Z? You know, get get them, get them talking about their side. And again, this it 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 actually disengages their power because now we're saying, well, I'm not afraid of you. I'm not afraid of what you're saying. Let's, let's, let's look at it in all its glory and see if it stands up, you know? <laughs> so obviously you have to have, you have to have your ducks in a row when you do that. Or, you know, there are going to be cases where you have charismatically gone in to get something and you run up against some serious opposition. And as you listen to the opposition, you realize I need to go back to the drawing board. <laughs> so <laughs> it's okay. Go back to the drawing board. <laughs> You know, sometimes the, uh, you know, uh, caution is the better part of valor. You know, it, it, now is not the time. 
So, but this is how you find out. This is how you'll be able to, to come back in a stronger position later. So the, the third, now we mentioned presence, we've mentioned power. The third thing is warmth. Warmth. And you think, man, what does warmth have to do in, my, in this technical setting of what I'm doing now? Well, it may not have anything to do with the topic itself, but it does have to do with the people. That is, you know, there are still people having to do their jobs here. And in some cases, you're asking them to do a lot. Maybe you need a lot from that person or that group of people if your mission is going to be fulfilled. Well, you got to be warm with them. You got to... They, they got to feel some fellow feeling. They have to recognize in you that I understand this is a big ask, but it's worth it. And here's why it's worth it. And here's, here's how we're all going to win. And here's why we care. You know, those, those, that notion of caring and, and compassion and empathy that sound like they're so unnecessary in, in a, scientific setting well they are necessary because a scientific setting always has scientists and scientists are always human beings and human beings need that stuff yeah and if you go back to the earlier example about okay so how do current or previous bosses that you've had or seen in operation how do they stack up there and in in some cases like in any profession um you can have bosses there that, that don't have compassion and then no so they don't care about how uh, so much about how uh their you know how they set things up how that affects the the student you know the classic joke about you know the just working the phd students hard for example uh, for and how much different would that be if it was done with compassion it's not that a phd isn't hard work of course it is but if you have empathy about the fact that it is and don't just expect it to, you know, don't don't um, just expect it because you say, you know, as the boss, then mm-hmm. then that's a huge um, it's a huge difference in the uh, in the loyalty you would have from the from your um, your PhD students, for example. And uh, then it's a huge difference in the experience for for both of you, for the student and the and the supervisor. Right. So you can imagine you really in your life, you know, lots of charismatic people and not just in the stereotypical places you'd expect to find them. You do know people in the lab and in the university and in the company that are charismatic. Some of them are so charismatic. You may look at that and say, uh, to have them as a role model is almost to set too high a bar, but okay, fine. You have other people that are mildly charismatic or modestly charismatic. Watch those people. What are they doing that you don't do? What is it they're willing to do that you aren't? Yeah, in some cases, it may be the simple thing is like what we were talking about earlier, being willing to listen to distractors. Or maybe it's they bother to, to set up what they say first, that you know they begin with praise, for instance. Uh, before they ask somebody to do something. And I don't just mean in a manipulative way. You know, I mean, they're legitimate praise. And you'll, you'll start to see that, you know, actually you've got, you've got plenty of examples of charisma being used all around you all the time. So it, this is your opportunity to say, you know what, I'm going to join that crowd. And, and <laughs> 
I would recommend that you do it with good ethics. <laughs> um, I, I think you get better results that way. Uh, and, you know, that's not to say that there aren't people that aren't, aren't evil geniuses. It's true. <laughs> but is that what you want to be remembered as? Or would you rather just be remembered as a genius? <laughs> and without charisma, it's a little hard. It, it, no one knows. No one knows about your genius if you're not being charismatic about it. So you know, it, it, it's something you, that's worth reaching into. So just as we've talked about some other things in the past, where we had six, six things you could use, there are six charisma factors, and we're going to dig into them in the next two sessions. We'll, we'll cover three of them in each session. And I promise you that some of them will be ones that you would have never thought of as charisma. And you may be shocked to think, well, I've got that already. So I'm just going to point it out to you so you can use it. And we'll also talk about, well, how can you make them better? Uh, here's a factor. Is there a way for me to, to amp up my ability with that factor? So just some, some things that, that you can bring to it. Yeah. I, I remember the first time you introduced these to me and you showed, mm -hmm. you pointed out what, what my main, you know, main way to express charisma was. And I thought, I remember thinking, well, that's great because that's easy <laughs> because that's me. <laughs> And uh, it doesn't feel like you're asking me to do something that, uh, or you're saying that I would need to, to, to project charisma, I would need to do something that's not natural to me, which is quite a relief. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's it. You're going to hear some things here that are going to be real natural for you. Some of you are going to hear a bunch. You're going to go, I can do that and that and that and that. <laughs> that's great. For others, you know, there'll be one that stands out for you and it's enough. So, you know. So Nick, you have have something in mind here, maybe be a, a good wrap up there for just some bullet points that, that, that people can implement? Uh, well, I mean, it's, it's quite a, it's quite a kind of a cliche, I suppose, to say that the best way to be charismatic and to influence people is to be yourself. I guess that, uh, you know, is to increase the, your presence, power and warmth by being yourself. And I guess that what we'll be talking about in the next two episodes is is exactly how to do that. Is is what what switches can you use there, or what you know, what can you turn up that you're already doing uh, that will allow you to to um, to project those things while still being yourself. And I think you'll be amazed at the results you get from it. Cool. So until the next time, I think we'll leave it at that. Um, Actually, I have to mention one thing, and that is the the Facebook page. If you've if I've not managed to convince you already that we should uh, that you should join the Happy Scientist Facebook page, then uh, this is another opportunity for you to do so. Uh, so the, we'll be discussing uh, charisma factors, core mindsets, and a whole lot more inside the the Happy Scientist Club Facebook page, which you can find at the Happy Scientist Club. No, sorry, facebook.com forward slash the Happy Scientist Club. Uh, and you can ask us for uh, for access and we will give it to you. So uh, I hope to see you in there. So I think we'll wrap it for today and we will see you in the next episode. All right. Thanks, everyone. The Happy Scientist is brought to you by Bite Size Bio, your mentor in the lab. 
Bitesize Bio features thousands of articles and webinars contributed by hundreds of PhD scientists and scientific companies who freely offer their hard-won wisdom and solutions to the Bitesize Bio community. Thanks for tuning in. If you enjoyed this episode and want to keep learning practical tips on being a happy and successful scientist, don't wait any longer. Subscribe to the Happy Scientist podcast and download the Happy Scientist reference pack today. And together, let's reignite that passion for science that first got you into the lab. Remember, you can find us on all major podcast platforms. So hit that subscribe button now and check the show notes to download.